0: section 18 of the late mattia pascal by luigi pirandello translated by arthur livingston this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org chapter 18 the late mattia pascal in my impatience and my rage i know not which was greater i ceased to care whether anybody recognized me or not before or after i got there i took just one precaution a seat in the first class for that matter it was dark and my experience with berto reassured me convinced as everybody was of my fateful death two years before no one would ever dream of taking me for mattia pascal i leaned out of the car window hoping that the sight of familiar scenes would divert my thoughts to less violent emotions but this served only to intensify both my anger and my impatience in the moonlight i made out the hills back of the coops the wretches i hissed over there but now in my surprise at the unexpected news from home i had forgotten to ask roberto ever so many things the farm and the mill had they been sold or were they still in the hands of a receiver how about batty malagna and aunt scholastica was all that only two years and a half thirty months before it felt more like a century so many things had befallen me it seemed life at miragno must have been just as exciting and yet nothing much had happened probably except romilda's marriage to pomino commonplace enough in itself though now my sudden return from the dead might make it appear unusual where would i go when i got there and where were they living certainly not where i used to live my humble habitation as a two-lira-a-day man would never do for pomino rich as the only son of a wealthy sire besides pomino who was a sensitive fellow would not have felt quite at home among so many reminders of me doubtless he had gone to live with his father in the palazzo and imagine the widow pescatore and those surroundings what airs she would put on and that poor old devil girolamo pomino first so timid so gentle so retiring Bet having the time of his life in the claws of that old harpy. A real run for his money. For neither the old man nor his gosling of a son would ever have the courage to kick her out. And now, the goat as usual, I take her off their hands. Yes, there's where I would go, to the Pomino mansion. And even if they weren't there, I'd find out from the janitress or somebody. Oh, my quiet, sleepy old home, sweet home. What a shock you'll get tomorrow when you hear I'm alive again. There was a bright moon that evening and all the public lights were off as usual the streets were quite deserted since at that hour almost everybody was at supper in my great excitement i was hardly aware that i had legs at all i walked as on thin air my feet scarcely touching the ground i cannot describe the emotions i felt they reduced to something like a great homeric laughter shaking spasmodically about my diaphragm unable to find a way out i am sure that had i turned it loose it would have blown the houses over from the force of its explosion i was at the pomino place in no time but to my surprise i found no one on hand in the sort of dog kennel on the driveway where the old janitress used to live i knocked for some moments no answer came in the meantime my eye had a chance to fall on a piece of mourning crepe now bleached and dusty which seemed to have hung exposed to the weather there for several months Who had died the widow pescatore Cavalier pomino one of the two undoubtedly more likely the old man in which case i would find my two doves cooing up on the first floor in the grand suite already settled in the palace i was too impatient to wait i opened the front door and ran up the stairs three steps at a time on the first landing i met the janitress coming down cavaliere pomino i asked from the astonishment with which the old mud turtle looked at me i understood that the district inspector of education must have been dead a good long time young mr pomino Girolamino, i corrected reassuming my assent i couldn't quite understand what the old woman was muttering to herself i know simply that at the top of the stairs i had to hold to catch my breath the door to the pomino apartment was in front of me they may be still at dinner i reflected philosophically though in a flash All three eating without the least suspicion in a few seconds i will have knocked on this door and their lives will be topsy turvy look here in my hand rests the fate in store for them i took the bell rope in my hand and as i pulled it i listened my heart leaping with excitement the house was absolutely still in the silence i could barely hear the distant tinkle of the bell All the blood rushed to my head and my ears began to ring as though that faint tinkling which had been swallowed up in the silence were clanging furiously inside my brain in a few seconds i started violently on the other side of the door i heard a voice the voice of the widow pescatore who's calling i could not for an instant utter a sound i pressed my fists to my chest to keep my heart from breaking through then with a husky hollow voice i answered syllable by syllable ma mattia pascal who called the voice within mattia pascal i answered deepening my voice still further certainly the old witch was scared out of her wits for i heard her patter off down the hall as though the devil were after her i could imagine what was taking place in the dining-room the man in the house would be sent out pomino the courageous however i had to ring again gently gently as before pomino threw the door wide open and there i stood erect my shoulders back my chest thrown forward he recoiled in terror i strode upon him with a cry mattia pascal from the other world pomino collapsed on the floor and sat there his weight resting on his hands his eyes staring with fright and bewilderment mattia you the widow pescatore came running out with a lamp in her hand at the sight of me she gave one long piercing scream i slammed the door too with a kick and caught the lamp before it could fall from her hands shut up i hissed into her face do you really take me for a ghost alive she gasped pale as death her hands clutching wildly at her hair alive alive as they make em i answered with ferocious joy you swore i was dead though didn't you drowned out there where did you come from she asked in absolute terror from the flume you witch i replied between my teeth here's the lamp up close look at me who am i do you recognize me or do you still think i'm the man they found in the flume it wasn't you bad cess to you she-goat here i am alive and you mino what are you sprawling there for get up where's romilda oh 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 groaned jumping to his feet the baby i'm afraid she's nursing what baby said i our little girl oh the murderer the murderer shrieked the pescatore woman i was unable to answer the effect of this latest piece of news was still so strong upon me your little girl a baby to boot well now that my dear sir mamma go into romilda please begged pomino but it was too late romilda was already out in the hallway her dressing gown unbuttoned at the top her baby nursing her hair awry as though she had hurriedly risen from a bed the moment she saw me she cried "Matia!" and she fell fainting into the arms of her husband and her mother they dragged her away considerately leaving me standing there with their baby in my arms for i had run to the rescue also With the lamp now gone the hallway was almost pitch dark but there i stood holding that frail acrid smelling bundle from which a tiny little voice came blubbering through unswallowed milk alarmed bewildered not knowing what to do next i was clearly conscious only of the shriek from the woman who had once been mine and who now precisely ladies and gentlemen was mother to this child who was not mine who was not mine mine Ah, mine she had hated in its poor little time mine she had never loved so i now no no a thousand times no i would have no pity on this intruder nor on them either she had looked out for herself all right she had married again while i i but the faint whimper kept coming from the bundle on my arms what could i do to stop it hush little one hush little one that's a daisy that's a daisy i began patting the infant on her tiny back and tossing her gently to and fro the bleating grew fainter and fainter and at last was still pomino's voice rang through the hallway mattia the baby Shh, you donkey don't wake her up again what are you doing with her eating her raw what do you suppose i'm doing with her they chucked her at me now i've got her quiet god's sake don't wake her up on me now where's romilda slinking up to me suspicious and fearful like a dog watching its puppy in the hands of its master pomino answered romilda why because i want to have a word with her i replied gruffly she's fainted you know fainted nonsense we'll bring her too pomino cringed in front of me blocking my path oh please Mattia! listen i'm afraid how in the world you here alive where have you been where have you been oh Listen, couldn't you talk with me instead? No, I thundered. My business is with her. Who are you, anyway? You don't count around here. What do you mean I don't count? Very simple. Your marriage is null and void on the return of the first spouse. Void? And how's that? And the baby? The baby. The baby, I muttered fiercely, in less than two years after my death. Married and with a baby. Shame on you hush little one hush little one that's a daisy mama's coming soon here show me the way you is this the room the moment my nose crossed the threshold of the bedroom the widow pescatore advanced upon me like a ravenous hyena i had the baby on my left arm with my right i gave the old woman a solid push you just mind your business here's your son-in-law here if you've any fuss to make make it with him i don't know you Romilda was weeping piteously. I bent over her, holding out the baby. Here, Romilda, you take her. Tears? Why do you feel so bad? Because I am alive. You wanted me dead, didn't you? Well, look at me. Look. Alive or dead? She tried to raise her eyes through her tears, and her voice breaking with sobs, she murmured, Oh, Mattia, how is this? You? What? What have you been doing? what have i been doing i snickered you ask me what i have been doing it's clear what you've been doing you've married again that ninny there and you've had a baby and now oh mattia what have you been doing well groaned pomino his face in his hands but you 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 where have you been you ran away you played dead you deserted your wife you it was the widow pescatore coming at me again with her arms raised i seized one of her wrists and twisted it over till she was in my power listen old lady i then lectured you just keep out of this for if i hear another word from you i swear i'll lose all pity for this dunce of a son-in-law of yours and for that little baby there and i'll i'll invoke the law the law understand you know what the law says this marriage is null and void on the return of the first spouse I've got to take Romilda back to me, my daughter, back to you, you're crazy, The old woman cried in terror, but Pomino was reduced to zero. Mother, dear, mother, dear, he begged, please be quiet, please be quiet, for the love of God, and she let loose on him, fool, imbecile, milksop, ninny, coward, good for nothing but just to stand there, bleating like a sheep. I could hardly hold my sides from laughing dry up now i commanded as soon as i could catch my breath he can have her he can have her i wouldn't be crazy enough to take on a mother-in-law like you again poor poor pomino mino Mino, old boy forgive me if i called you an ass but as you hear your mother-in-law agrees with me and i can assure you romilda our wife thought the same of you in the old days yes she used the very same words for you fool donkey dunce and i forget what else didn't you Romilda? Tell the truth, oh now, dearie me! Don't cry any more. Come, come, smile for us, won't you? It's bad for the baby, you know. I'm alive, that's all, you see. And I feel like being gay. Cheer up, as a drunken man said to me one night. Cheer up, Pomino. Do you think I'd really have the heart to leave your baby without a mamma? Not on your life. I already have a son without a papa. Ever think of it, Romilda? Where quits? i have a son who is the son of malagna and you a daughter who is the daughter of pomino four square one of these days we'll make them man and wife anyhow you'll not feel so bad over that boy now so let's change the subject how did you and your mother ever come to see me and that poor devil they found in the flume oh i did too you know said pomino with a touch of anger and so did everybody else not just romilda and her mother you had good eyes i must say Was he really so much like me as all that? Your build, your hair and whiskers, your clothes, black, and besides, you had been gone so long. Deserting house and home, eh? As though they hadn't driven me to it, the old lady there. Ah, that woman! And yet I was coming back, you know, loaded with money, and then, as nice as you please, dead, drowned in an advanced state of decomposition. Best of all, identified. Thank heaven for one thing. I've been having one good time these two years. While you people here, engagement, wedding, honeymoon, house and housekeeping, baby, the dead are dead, eh? Long life to the living. And now, groaned Pomino on pins and needles, what about it now? That's what's bothering me. Romilda got up to put the baby into its cradle. Suppose we step into the other room, I suggested. The little girl's asleep again. Better not wake her up. We can talk in there. On the table in the dining room, the supper dishes were still lying about. Trembling, wide-eyed, deathly pale, winking two cadaverous eyelids over two white glassy balls pierced in the middle by two small round black dots, Pomino sat in a chair, rubbing his forehead and mumbling as in a dream. Alive! Alive! How can we fix it? What's to become of us? Oh, why worry about that, I shouted impatiently. We'll come to that in due season, I tell you romilda made herself presentable and eventually came to join us i sat looking at her under the bright lamplight as beautiful as she had ever been i thought even more bewitching than when i first met her let me have a look at you i said you don't mind do you mino what's the harm she's my wife too you know perhaps more mine than yours oh i didn't mean to make you blush romilda see mino squirming but i'm not going to bite him i'm not a ghost this is intolerable said Mino, livid with anger he's getting nervous i said winking at romilda come now Mino, old man don't worry i'm not going to cut you out again and this time i'll keep my promise except if you don't mind just one i went over to romilda and smacked a loud kiss off her cheek mattia shrieked pomino desperately again i laughed aloud jealous eh i said and of me now that's hardly fair There's something coming to me on grounds of prior right if for nothing else anyhow romilda just forget it all forget it all you see in coming here forgive me won't you romilda in coming here i supposed my dear mino that you would be glad to have me take her off your hands and the thought of doing so was not at all to my liking i can tell you for i wanted to get even with you and i would like to still but this time by stealing romilda away from you because i see you are in love with her and she "'Well, yes, she's a dream, a dream, the way she was years ago when we first—you haven't forgotten, eh, Romilda? Oh, poor girl, I didn't intend to make you cry. But they were good days, those old ones, eh? Gone forever now. But never mind. You have a little girl of your own. And let's forget all about such things. Of course I'm not going to trouble you. What do you take me for?' "'But this marriage, it's null and void,' cried Pomino what do you care i answered that may be the law of it but who's going to invoke the law i'm not i won't even bother to cancel my death certificate unless i'm forced by money matters i'm satisfied if people have a look at me know i'm alive and well and see that i'm through with this playing dead a death which was a real one i assure you you were married publicly for a year or more you have been living publicly as man and wife such you will continue to be who's going to ask any questions about the legal status of romilda's first marriage that water has gone under the bridge romilda was my wife now she's yours and mother of a child of yours a few days gossip and everybody will drop the subject am i not right you miserable twice-over mother-in-law the pescatore woman frowning ferocious nodded in the affirmative but pomino more and more nervous asked but you're going to settle here at miragno of course and I'll come once in a while to get a cup of coffee or sip a glass of wine to your health.' "'That you won't,' snarled the widow, jumping to her feet. "'But he's joking. Can't you see?' said Romilda, keeping her eyes away from mine. I laughed aloud as I had before. "'You see, Romilda,' I jested. "'they're afraid we'll begin making love again, and it would serve them right. However, let's not be too hard on poor Mino.' since he doesn't care to have me in the house i'll just walk up and down in the street under your windows what do you say a serenade not too often of course pomino was now stamping up and down the room in a veritable frenzy intolerable he cried this won't do this won't do all at once he stopped and said you can't get away from the fact that with you here alive she won't ever be my wife just you pretend i'm dead i answered quietly he began stamping up and down again i can pretend no such thing well don't then but do you think i'm going to disturb you unless romilda asks me to after all she's the one to decide say romilda speak up now which is the better-looking he or i i am thinking of the law said pomino almost in a scream romilda looked at him anxiously well i remarked as matters stand it seems i'm the one who has more right to find fault than anybody I've got to see my beautiful, my charming, my quondam better half, and help meet living with you as your wife. But Romilda, exclaimed Pomino, she isn't really my wife any longer. Bosh, I replied, I came here to get even, and I let you off. I give you my wife. I guarantee not to annoy you. And still you are not satisfied. Come, Romilda, get on your things. Let's be going, the two of us, on a honeymoon. We'll have a great time. Why bother with this thing here? He's not a man, he's a law book why he's asking me really to go and drown myself in the flume no i'm not asking that cried pomino in utter exasperation but go away at least leave town live somewhere else far away and for heaven's sake don't let anybody see you because i here with you alive i rose and laid my hand gently on his shoulder to quiet him a little i told him i had already called on my brother at ornelia That everyone probably by this time knew or that certainly by the next morning would know that i had come to life again then i added but you ask me to drop out of sight again and live far away from here play dead again in short you must be joking my dear boy come brace up you play husband the best way you can and stop worrying your marriage come what may is a solemn fact everybody will stand by you especially since there's a little one involved as for me i promise i swear never to come near you even for a puny little cup of coffee even for the sweet the exalting the exhilarating spectacle of your blissful union your devoted passion your exemplary concord all built up on my considerateness in dying ungrateful wretches i'll wager not a one of you not even you pomino bosom friend of my boyhood ever took the trouble to place a wreath a bunch of flowers on my grave there in the cemetery a good guess eh tell the truth did you you are having a good time with us aren't you exclaimed pomino shrugging his shoulders a good time nothing of the kind i'm in deadly earnest it's a question of a soul in purgatory no room for joking tell me did you no i didn't i didn't have the courage to pomino murmured but courage enough to run off with my wife behind my back eh you rascal "'Well, how about yourself?' Mino retorted with some spirit. "'You took her away from me, didn't you, in the first place, when you were alive?' "'I?' I exclaimed in injured astonishment. "'There you go again. Can't you get it into your head that she didn't want you? Will you force me to repeat that she thought you were a ninny, a fool, a nincompoop? "'Here, Romilda, come to my rescue. You see, he's accusing me of false friendship. However, what does it matter, after all? He's your husband, so we'll have to let it go at that.' But it's not my fault just admit that i'll go myself tomorrow to pay a visit to that poor man left there in the graveyard all by himself without a flower and without a tear tell me there's a stone at least on his mound yes pomino hastened to reply the town put one up poor papa you remember yes i know he delivered the funeral oration if that poor man could have heard what's the epitaph i don't know Laudoletta made it up. The Lark himself, I sighed, the Poet Laureate of Toadville. Did you ever? Anyhow, we can drop that subject, too. Now, I should like to know how you came to marry so soon. Not long didst thou weep for me, merry widow mine. Probably not at all, eh? But for heaven's sake, can't you say a word to me, not one little word? Look, it's getting late. As soon as morning comes, I'll go away, and it will be as if we had never known each other let's not waste these few hours come answer me romilda shrugged her shoulders glanced at pomino and smiled nervously lowering her eyes and staring at her hands she then said what can i answer of course i was sorry i cried and you didn't deserve it the widow pescatore volunteered thanks mother dear i replied but not so very much eh just a little those pretty eyes of yours they don't see very well to be sure when it comes to identifying people but still a shame to turn them red eh we were left at a pretty fix romilda continued by way of extenuation if it hadn't been for him it was nice of you mino i agreed but that rat of a malagna no help from him not a cent the pescatore woman said dryly he did everything and she pointed to pomino or rather or rather mino corrected poor papa you remember he was connected with the administration well he got romilda a bit of a pension in view of the circumstances and then later on later on he consented to the wedding oh he never objected really and he wanted us all here with him however two months ago and mino launched out on a narrative of his father's death of the love the old man had for romilda and the little girl the tribute the whole town paid him on his passing I interrupted with a question about aunt scolastica who had been such a favorite with old pomino the pescatore woman still mindful of the pan of dough plastered on her face by that terrible virago hitched uncomfortably on her chair pomino explained that he had not seen her for two years but that she was still alive and so far as he knew well but what has been happening to you all this time he now asked where have you been what have you been doing I told him all i could avoiding people places and dates to show that i had not been idle those two years and so we filed away the hours far into the night waiting for the morning when i should publicly declare my resurrection we were growing weary from lack of sleep and the strenuous emotions we had been experiencing and it was a trifle cold besides to warm us up a little romilda insisted on preparing coffee for me with her own hands as she handed the cup to me my eyes met hers And a faint distant smile touched with a wistful sadness flitted across her lips without sugar as usual i suppose what was it she caught in my gaze at any rate she hastily looked the other way in the cold pale glow of the early dawn i felt a clutch of unexpected homesickness gather at my throat i looked at pomino bitterly but there the coffee was steaming hot before me the fragrance of it filled my nostrils i took up the cup and slowly began to sip the delicious drink may i leave my bag with you till i know where i'm going to live i asked pomino finally i'll be back after it before long why of course of course proffered Mino solicitously in fact don't bother to come and get it i'll have a man take it to you it's not so heavy said i with a sly look at romilda and by the way i asked turning to her have you any of my things left perchance shirts socks underwear no she answered sorrowfully with a gesture of helplessness i gave them all away you understand after such a tragedy who could imagine you would ever come back exclaimed pomino but i would take my oath that at the very moment pomino skinflint that he was had one of my old neckties on well never mind i said ready to take my leave now goodbye eh and good luck i had my eyes on Romilda, but she refused to meet my gaze i noticed only that her hand quivered as she responded to my clasp goodbye goodbye once out in the street i again felt lost solitary homeless without a place to go or a purpose to realize though i was back in my own native village the haunts of my boyhood i began to walk however looking anxiously at the people i kept meeting how was that would not a soul recognize me and yet i was the very same person the least anyone might have remarked on noticing me was my extraordinary resemblance to the late mattia pascal if he had one eye a little out of true you could take him for mattia outright but nothing of the kind no one recognized me because everybody had forgotten about me ceased thinking of me at all my presence aroused not the slightest curiosity let alone surprise and i had been thinking of an earthquake more or less a sensation a stoppage of traffic the moment I appeared on the streets. In my great disappointment I felt a humiliation, a bitterness, a spite, that I could not now express in words, but which I then expressed by cutting, by refusing to approach, people whom I, for my part, recognized perfectly well. Why not, after a few months absence merely? Yes, I could now see what dying meant. No one, not a living soul, had a thought for me. I might just as well never have existed at all twice i walked the length of the main street of miragno without attracting a glance from anybody hurt to the quick i thought for a moment of going back to pomino's and informing him that i did not like the bargain we had made why not take out on his hide my irritation at the insult my home town was offering me but romilda would never have followed me without constraint nor did i for the moment have a place to take her i ought to have a house ready at least for the girl i was eloping with Next I decided to go to the town hall and have my name scratched off the Registry of Deaths. But on the way there, I changed my mind and headed for the Boccamazza library. I found in the old place I once had held my reverend friend, Don Eligio Pellegrinotto, who did not recognize me either on the spot. To tell the truth, Don Eligio claims that he did know me from the very first, but that he wanted to hear my name and be absolutely sure before throwing his arms around my neck in tearful welcome you see says don eligio it couldn't possibly be you well you couldn't expect me to let myself go with a man who merely looked like you be that as it may my first real greeting came from him and it was a warm one i can tell you he insisted on dragging me back to the village by main force to drive from my mind the bad impression the coldness of my fellow townsmen had made upon me having expressed myself so clearly on this latter subject it would now be surely in bad taste to describe what happened first in brisigo's drugstore and later at the union cafe when don eligio prouder than he had ever been in his life presented me as one returning from the dead the news swept the town like wildfire and the whole population turned out to have a look at me and ply me with millions of questions so it wasn't you they found in the flume at the coops well who was it then I don't know how many times I was asked to answer that fool question. Yes, everybody, each in turn, as though they could not believe their eyes. So you're really you. Who else? Where'd you come from? The other world. What have you been doing? Playing dead. I made up my mind not to budge from those three answers, and I left them all on pins with a curiosity that lasted for days and days. And no better luck fell to my friend the Lark, who came to interview me for the compendium. To make me open up a little, he produced a copy of his journal dated some two years before, the number containing my obituary. I told him I knew the thing by heart, and that the compendium was widely read in the other world. In heaven? Of course not. In the other place. You'll see for yourself some day. Finally he mentioned my epitaph. Oh yes, and thanks ever so much. I'll drop around to the cemetery some afternoon and have a look at it. I will not bother to transcribe his feature of the next Sunday which started off with a headline in big letters, "Matia PASCAL ALIVE. Among the few, besides my creditors, who did not show up to congratulate me was Bati Malagna. Nevertheless as I was told he had made a great fuss two years before over my cruel suicide. I quite believe it. He was as sorry then over my tragic death as he was now over my resurrection. I understand why, in both cases. I found a home with my aunt Scholastica, who insisted absolutely that I come to live with her. My queer adventure somehow had raised me in her estimation. I have the very room in which poor mother died, and most of the day I spend either there or here at the library with Don Eligio. He is still very far from completing his inventory. With his help, I have finished my strange story in about six months. He had re-read every word. But will keep the secret, as though I had revealed it to him under the seal of the confessional. We have argued a good deal about the significance of my experiences, and I have often said to him that I still can't see what earthly good it is ever going to do anybody to know about them." "'Well there's this, for one thing,' says he. "'Your story shows that outside the law of the land, and apart from those little happenings, painful or pleasant as they may be, which make us each what we are, life, my dear Pascal, life is impossible.' whereupon i point out to him that i fail to see how that can be for i have not regularized my life whether it be in relation to the law of the land or in relation to my private affairs my wife is the wife of pomino and i am not quite sure who i am myself in the cemetery at miragno on the grave of the poor chap they found in the flume the stone still stands with lodoletta's epitaph o'erwhelmed by evil fortune here lies of his own will mattia pascal scholar book-lover librarian a generous heart a loyal soul may he rest in peace erected to his memory by his sorrowing fellow townsmen i have placed on the grave the wreath i said i would and every now and then i visit the cemetery for the sensation of seeing myself dead and buried there people often watch me from a distance on such occasions and sometimes somebody meets me at the gate and in view of my situation asks me but say who are you really anyway I shrug my shoulders, wink an eye, and answer, why, what can I say? I guess I'm the late Mattia Pascal. The End End of chapter 18 End of the late Mattia Pascal by Luigi Pirandello Translated by Arthur Livingstone